Hello and welcome to Speaks Loud Than Words, episode 12. Those of you that are regular listeners will realise that I am not Dave Reed. My name is Elliot Charles and I'm coming with Dave Ozzy the way this week. Uh, usually I am behind the microphones. I produce, edit the podcast, make sure it goes up online on time. But Dave couldn't make this interview, so I stepped in. So this episode is with Olivia Sebastiano, who, despite being young, she's already signed with a major label and decided that perhaps that wasn't the right way to go and parted ways with them um, by all accounts rather amicably. She's fiercely independent and has come away from the whole thing with a real sense of who she is and where she wants her music to be. And she sat down to talk to us about her influences and how she goes about writing. If you want to find out more about Olivia, you can always check out her Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Olivia Sebastianelli. And if you want to find out more about us, you can always go on our Facebook at facebook.com slash UK. Or follow us on Twitter. We are at Warner underscore Chapel. And Chapel is, as always, spelt C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L. Right, so, if we're going to talk about music, mm-hmm. let's start at the beginning. Okay. So, influences. Influences. Um, so, so, what were the first, what music were you brought up on? Uh, I was brought up on... Um, a lot of 80s music. Okay. My parents, obviously. <laughs> um, I think the whole world now knows that I'm a massive Elvis Costello fan and always have been. Um, Any particular Elvis Costello albums? Or? Um, kind of a mixture of everything. Basically, everything he does, I love. <laughs> everything. I'm trying to think of like favourite albums. I always had an affinity for, um, was it Next Year's Model? Yeah. With the camera on the front. Yeah. I always thought that was great. Yeah, and that's a great photo as well. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean, album artwork with Costello has always been like a really, a really great thing. Yeah, a lot of a lot of eighties stuff, like Blondie and Pretenders and Smiths and all the ones that people name when they want to sound <laughs> really cool. <laughs> but um, my I kind of like crossover for through everything. Like a lot of bluegrass I grew up on. Oh wow. Um, like early Dolly Parton, and um. Good Tanya is another of my favourite bands. Yeah. I mean, you don't get better harmonies than, than them. Um, they're unbelievable. There is something about that um, kind of country and folk. Yeah. Close harmony. Yeah. I th- I'd rather wear out that. Yeah. The soundtrack to that. Yeah. For a great singer. So yeah. Incredible. And like, if I was to choose like a, a modern artist or modern band that was anywhere close to that sort of thing, I'd probably say Civil Wars. Because I think like, to get two people that aren't related mm. um, and a girl and a boy to have those kind of, they're like the same person's just been split in half and created the Civil Wars. I think <laughs> they're, they're great. Um, and a 50s torch singers like Julie London. I mean, she basically taught me how to sing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's always been a favourite of mine. And I think she always had a bit more she was a bit sassy, which mm. I liked. Like she wasn't afraid to sing, you know, slightly cheeky songs and stuff. Nice. Um, yeah, I guess fifties torch singers, bluegrass, eighties pop, and nineties grunge is kind of wow. That that to. is a real mixture of stuff. <laughs> it is, yeah. And that was all from your parents. Um, I think most most of the um, the love I have for music came from my dad. I, I remember being a little kid. There used to be a huge record store in Croydon called Beano's. I think a lot of people from that like aren't from Croydon know Beano's. Yeah. Um, 
And I remember being really little and me and my dad would go in there every Saturday and get a milkshake. There was a milkshake bar just at the top of Dino's. We'd go and get a milkshake and then spend the whole day just buying records. And, I mean, we mainly based our, our purchases on how good the, the artwork was. The band might have been terrible, but we would have bought it anyway because it was just really cool. So we came home with a lot of awful purchases that went straight in the bin. But a lot of good stuff. A lot of a lot. We discovered a lot of really good good artists and stuff there. Um, I think my my heart lies with um, with grunge and rock. Okay. Really. So Nirvana. Nirvana, obviously Nirvana. Yeah. That's the yeah. one that everyone. It's like likes. the token one. Like even people that don't really like like kind of alternative music. Yeah. Go for Nirvana. Because it's such. I think Nevermind was such a prevalent album. Yeah. And it's just it's everywhere. It is. I mean. I don't think there's one person that I know that that doesn't love that album. No. Um, so that did that have a, a big effect on you? Yeah, it did. Um, I don't like as much as I love Nirvana though. I was always more of an Alice in Chains girl. Oh, okay. Like Alice in Chains are probably one of my favourite bands of all time, um, which is actually how I bonded with my producer for the album. Both of our favourite albums um, is Dirt our favorite album so yeah, is a great we bonded over that because <laughs> when i met him i was probably about mm, maybe 17 and okay. he was really surprised that like this little 17 year old was like a massive alice in chains fan i'm guessing he's he's a bit older than you yeah and so he would have been around at the time when alice in chains was a brand new thing yeah and so to find someone so young who so connected to that music I yeah it's been a big surprise for him yeah no he was he was definitely <laughs> surprised but I just think um I was always like very alternative hmm. um from even when I was really really young you know I always had this this kind of um I didn't never f sort of fit in the box with other people um and I think that's why I connected with that music because at a time when alternative was in and it was I mean grunge was on catwalks it was you know it was everywhere yeah. um so I think I connected with that kind of time um as well as the music so I mean I was born in 93 so I was super young everybody was you know uh, uh, the boys in my band were like 15 so <laughs> um so they they were just as surprised that I, <laughs> that I kind of am but I mean I'm quite a I go to a lot of um, hardcore shows as well. Okay. Like I'm really into like the London and Brighton hardcore scene as well. That's where I kind of go and watch cheap gigs and horrible dive pubs yeah. and stuff. Um, <coughs> I've been to a nice place where there's loads of Yeah. <laughs> where everyone like beats each other up at shows <laughs> and stuff. It gets it gets a bit messy sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. But there's there's something very intimate about that. Is that is that a big part of music for you? The yeah between audience and performer definitely i mean i when when i play like i've recently been playing a lot more shows mm. um i'm continuing to do that i've been put on a couple of um low-key festivals and stuff um i've never played a festival before so i'm really excited about that but i i love for my audiences when i play a show to want to turn around and put their drink down and come right to the front and feel like they're a part of it and feel like they're discovering something. Um, I think that's a really big part of 
how you fall in love with an artist is how you discover them and can you remember where you were when you first saw them and and um why it was that you you bothered to listen um i think that's a really big part of it like i remember the first time i saw a band called la dispute um i was with my best friend come back from uni in her first year she was she was hating it and um and we went and saw them live and it was just the the best night ever um and i remember why i fell in love with them was because you know i had my best friend with me i took my little sister to see them she's really into her hardcore as well so she loved it so i think it's really important that you have a memory of of the artist and why you fell in love with them so that connection that yeah emotional connection is that's quite an important thing for a lot of people to have isn't yeah it? i think i think music should be nostalgic i don't think it should be mm. throwaway um I recently went to um, this bar in Croydon called Black Sheep Bar, um, which is kind of, I suppose it's slightly more alternative than going to Tiger Tiger. (laughs) So it's like people that don't want to go to Tiger go to Black Sheep. (laughs) Um, And I went on a Thursday, which is Metal Night. And you have just like the best time um, to go anywhere, I think. Like 80s night and Metal Night are always the best because you end up like dancing around to corn and it's they play music that i that i love and i remember mm. things about about that song or that artist yeah. for me it's better than going listening to just a drum beat for the whole night <laughs> <laughs> but that's fair enough yeah so most of your influences so far have been fairly guitar based yeah so guitar is your main instrument it is, yeah. I also play the clarinet, but um, really? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that, I mean, I've, I've listened to the album a few times now, but mm-hmm. I've never once heard a clarinet on there. Yeah, I am. Um, I ba- I bought it with me, and I played some stuff, and I decided let's let's not put the clarinet on the album. Let's get somebody better in to play a trumpet. So we put the trumpet. I put. I mean, I I tried out some clarinet stuff on there, but um. Clarinet isn't the most rock and roll of instruments, so. No, I guess not. I mean, if if you're going for a Dixie Wang jazz kind yeah. of vibe, then clarinet. I need started playing clarinet because my mum had one. My mum used to play so um, in school and stuff. So my mum already had one. She was like, "Well, I'm not going to buy you a new instrument. Play the clarinet. It's here." So is that your first instrument, the clarinet? Then? Yeah, clarinet was my first instrument. And then you moved on to guitar. Then I moved on to a slightly cooler instrument and played guitar <laughs> instead. So on the album is most of the guitar work you or yeah we kind of um shared it between me and my producer um so i play all the acoustic and some of the electric but when you've got dan weller from sick like who's like producing your album (laughs) you've got to have him play guitar he's an incredible metal guitarist he's and sick are one of my favorite bands as well so um i was a bit starstruck to have like Dan Weller of Sick play on my album. <laughs> so how did uh, how did you and Dan meet? I mean, obviously you bonded over your mutual love of Alice in Chains. Yes. But how did that meeting come about in the first place? Uh, well, we we met when I was still at Sony, um, and we tried out a couple of tracks together, and I really really got on with him, and I really liked the stuff that we did, um, but I don't think Sony kind of loved it as much as I did, so we kind of had to move on. Mm. And when I left, I thought the first person I thought about was was Dan. I thought, you know, 
that's the guy I want to do my album with because he gets me. We are like, I mean, we call each other our twins, even though we look nothing alike. <laughs> He's really tall and ginger and I'm small and brunette. Um, but um, we just got on really, really well. And we, were, we were good friends and I just gave him a ring and said, you know, can we go for coffee? I want to talk to you. I've left Sony. I want to uh, just go straight into doing the album. I've got all the songs. Um, I've got my band. Let's just do it. And he said, absolutely. And we did the whole album in 20 days. 20 days. Wow. Yeah. That's a, a real kind it of intense work process. It was intense, but it was um, probably the best 20 days of my life. Yeah. Um, we did it in an art space studio in Brixton. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that whole place was just like one big family anyway. So that was great. Um, I did it all with my band that have been with me now for nearly three years. Okay. My family came down. My Italian granddad, my nonno, is a chef. So he lived, he lives probably like two minutes away from the studio. So he made like massive meat or lasagnas every day, like brought them down. We just have like this great big like meal, <laughs> huge meal. I'm surprised you didn't stretch out the recording process. I know. I, I wish I had. I get more <laughs> food and more chill out time. But it was intense. I mean, we started early and we left yeah. early in the morning in between me learning how to drive as well. <laughs> so oh, wow. So I think I passed my driving test a couple of days before we um, we finished the album. So I drove down in my car. That's an exciting time. It was, yeah. Did a lot in that time. It was a couple of big cool. steps all at once. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was it was great though. Like I, I really I had the studio blues for a, a good two months afterwards. I just wanted to go in and just keep recording, all the time. It made me really sad. I just want to go and do album number two now, just for more fun. <laughs> <laughs> have you written anything for album number two, or is I have, yeah, written about four or five tracks for album number two. And do you write mainly on your own? Yeah, all on my own. Um, the whole first album was completely written by me over you know, a very long <laughs> number of years, <laughs> about five years. Because um, I've been writing since I was 13. So the oldest track on the album was the second song I wrote. And the newest one I wrote halfway through recording the album. We all decided that it just had to be on there. Um, so yeah, literally from start to where we are now, um, all the tracks just like reigned through my whole life, really. Spans quite a period of time then. Yeah. So what what made you start writing songs? What was the where was the point where you thought, you know what, I could do this? Well, um, I always wrote poetry, um, and I always had uh, an affinity with John Cooper Clark. I just thought he was incredibly intelligent mm. and massively underrated. I think a lot of young people never really like got into the whole spoken word thing. And he was a pioneer of like punk poetry, mm. so um, I always I always wanted to write poetry and be a poet. Um, <laughs> Is there a lot of money in being a poet? Not really. <laughs> I probably would be standing on the street corner with a little hat, like just reciting <laughs> poetry. Um, and I think when I started playing guitar, I thought, hang on, poem, lyrics, okay, that kind of works. Um, so I would restructure everything um, and maybe change some words around and stuff. And um, took a lot of, uh, like for example, there's a song on the album called Rosa Kingdom. Um, that song started out as a poem. And 
I just sort of put it to music and re kind of juggled around with the rhythm and the way it should be should be sung and um when that started to really work I thought okay you know what I can I can write songs I can do that so I did which is why I think a lot of people find my lyrical style really strange um because it is it's quite wordy and it's it's quite rhythmic mm. um and that all that all comes from from it being written as poems I always start with the lyrics first I was, I was gonna say there is something quite literate yeah to your lyrical style um and now correct me if I'm I'm wrong here mm-hmm. and this is me going out on a analytical limb okay but a lot of your your songs there's a, a real kind of melancholy edge yeah. to your music is that a grunge influence or is this um i think it, it's it's just a me influence <laughs> i think i'm quite a sad person um i think i don't i'm i've always been i've always found myself quite um a lonely person like i don't really share um who i am with people a lot um and i hide behind humor so when i do when i write lyrics i can kind of just let all that go and um release the uh the depression (laughs) 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 we'll put it that way try and make me not sound pathetic but um it is it's kind of it is kind of a release for me in that way. Mm. Um I just let everything go and say right okay I can put it all in words. I don't have to I don't have to feel feel bad. Um but I yeah, I think I I never really had um friends that I felt I could really be close to apart from although I've got maybe one or two really close friends. Um so for me my music is a way for me to express that um and then I don't have to be so lonely, I think. So I get to share that with my audience, get to be close to the people that listen to it. And in a way, since you are actually sharing it with more people than than you would if you if were... If I was in a room with them. Yeah. <laughs> which Absolutely. Is, which is a strange thing to think about, really, isn't it? It is, yeah. But, but I think it's, it's, it's music like that that really does create connections. Mm. Um, you know, when when I was sad, I'd put on um, a song or a record or s- or a CD on my little Walkman, and um, and I'd feel better because I'd feel like I wasn't the only one that was was going through that. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, "Friendship is born out of that moment when you can say, oh, you too.' I thought I was the only one, and I I think that that's that's a, a very important thing in music as it is in life. You know, you create that friendship with an artist when, when you can relate to them. So that honesty is very important. Yeah. That, that emotional honesty in music. Definitely. That that's something you you definitely look for. And Absolutely. Yeah. So, who are you listening to now? What are you? Who am I listening to now? Uh, on the way up here, I was listening to Gaslight Anthems. Um, I love Brian Fallon's voice. Love it ridiculous um <laughs> and he's like he's really they're really great live really really good live so i was listening to them and i was listening to a band called touche amour touche amour i haven't heard i'm very familiar with they're a they're a hardcore band oh. yeah they're on the tube so is that maybe <laughs> what you listen to the the hardcore punk stuff um i do 
Yeah. Um, mainly mom hardcore or are you into like the 80s stuff like Black Flag and Twisted Death? Definitely Black Flag. Black love, Flag. I love Black Flag. Okay, so. But a lot of, a lot, I don't really listen. I'm very bad at chart music. Like, don't ask me about charts. <laughs> I don't know what is going on. Um, and that's probably really bad for like a modern pop musician. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what's going on in the charts. Um, the most modern thing I've listened to is the new Biffy album. Um, which, I mean, I love all Biffy, so that's probably the most modern thing I've listened to in a while. <laughs> I, I think that that new Biffy album is actually quite a step forward for them, isn't it? Mm. It's much more poppy. It than is the last couple. It is definitely. I mean, my favourite Biffy album is Infinity Land, mm. but um, I just I, there's something about Biffy that they it's almost like they can do no wrong mm. with music. Um. I don't know how they manage it, but they're they're just like great album after great album yeah. after great album. It's incredible. Clever guitar work as well. Very clever, very clever, and for a three piece as well, they make such a noise. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's funny how power trios have a potential to like Muse. Mm. Muse as well. Huge sound. On Huge that. noise. It's mental. From three guys. I know. Incredible. <laughs> There's four of us in my band, and we don't make anywhere near as much <laughs> noise. <laughs> Well, my drummer does. My drummer is very, very loud. <laughs> um, but I've... So, moving the focus back to you. Um, you said you were on Sony for yes. a while. Um, from what I understand, you voluntarily left on your own? I mean, I was signed to, to a Sony label mm. for um, about 18 months when I was I just turned 17. Um, I signed at Warner Chapel before. Oh, okay. Um, which I've been told is unusual to have publishing first, but that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still here. <laughs> Warner Chapel's like my family. So I, I signed here and then I signed my record deal at, at a Sony label. And um, I there was a lot of um, changeovers happening and a lot of people were leaving and coming back. And it was, it was quite a strange atmosphere to, to come into. And I was the first artist signed under new I don't know what the word is management I guess mm. um, so it was really an untested an untested team um, and I was you know I think I was just really really young and I got there and thought that that, that was it I'd made it <laughs> um, uh, which I very quickly found out wasn't the case um, and it was all very promising and it was all great um, and then I just think my vision got clearer as theirs got foggier and they kind of didn't know where to take it anymore and I knew exactly where I needed to be um, and how I wanted my album to sound and then um, I mean I've been it's, it's strange what, what people pick up on like that's what I've noticed like online it's what people journalists pick up on about um, about your story and a lot of them have picked up on the on the Katy Perry reference um, which uh, I think Sony was sending out briefs to producers and I didn't know what the brief was and they were basically saying Katy Perry um, which for me I, I mean I love Katy Perry I loved her first album I thought it was really really cool very clever um, and I mean she's just incredible she's just non-stop powerhouse um, but I'm not Katy Perry and I don't see the point in having a second best um, so 
I think when it got to that point where um, everyone's saying, you need to sound like this, you need to sound like this, you know, I'm going to make you the next dot, dot, dot. Um, I just said, I, I don't want to be here anymore. I can't. We're clearly not on the same page. And it was a very amicable split. And I left and went straight into doing the album. Um, and here we are now, really. Wow. Um, I just think we both, like, between me and Sony, we both agreed that, like, I just, there was no point me being there. I just wasn't happy. Um, and I made the decision to turn around and quickly leave. Well, it sounds like you have a very definite and strong vision for what you want your music to be. Yeah. I just want it to be honest. I don't, I, the thing that I find most irritating is when people have a vision or and a talent and they throw it out the window. Um, I think a lot of record labels now are very used to having um, art the type of artist that's just lo- like happy to be there, um, which is fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But I think when you come across somebody with a vision who wants to keep as much integrity as possible, um, you have to be able to adapt to that. Um, you can't just kind of have puppet strings, I think. So it, it takes both sides to work together. Exactly. I think you really, like, the thing that I've found, especially with um, with my management and my agent and my band and, and Warner Chapel, is that you need to have a strong team around you first you need to have that circle of trust me and my manager call it the circle of trust (laughs) and we don't let many people into our circle of trust um you know we're a we're a small small group of people that all just love what we do and have they have the same love for what i do as 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 i do and i think that is the most important thing you know record label that comes later when when you know who you are um so i think the most important thing is to find people that love what you do as much as you do Mm. Um, which is difficult you know I've had my fair share of people that I've had to go right I'm not happy with you and uh, they leave the circle of trust quickly (laughs) (laughs) so um, I think the problem with music now is that a lot of people think that record labels are the be all and end all Mm. and if you can't get a label then you can't be successful which I don't think is true because I've been through the label system and I've come out the other end of it better and stronger and I treat my time at Sony as like a finishing school for the music industry. I learned more about myself in those 18 months and more about how to handle myself in a business um, than any book could have ever taught me. So that's how I see it. I see it as a positive experience. I had to, I had to get over that at a young age. I had to get over, you know, I could have, as so many artists do, I could have left and, and said, I, I can't do it anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. It's it's too hard. Especially at such a, a young age. I mean, yeah. 17 is very, very hard to start at. Yeah. I mean, I, I could have I could have said, I, I, can't, I can't do it anymore, or I won't do it anymore, or I could have just completely fallen apart. But um, I'm not, I don't give up so easily. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> Keep plowing on. So, I mean, you're playing gigs, you... I'm doing a lot of shows, yeah. yes, which is my favourite bit. I love playing live. Um, so where, where are you playing? Feel free to describe the tour. <laughs> I feel like I should have a book with me. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm playing a lot in Shoreditch, 
cool. Um, I played, I'm playing Bar Music Hall on Thursday. I've never played there before, so That's I'm cool. really excited to go there. Um, I've basically played that entire road of, of bars. I played a home show on Saturday at uh, my local bar, Scream Lounge. Um, who have always put me on since I was about 16. They've, they've John, at, John at Scream Lounge has always given me shows. So that's kind of where I honed my, my gigging <laughs> was at Scream Lounge. Um, so I played there. Um, I'm playing Redfest this year in Red Hill, which I'm really excited about. Nice. Um, and I'm playing, I just got put on Sundance Festival, London Sundance. So I'm really excited about that. That's yeah. at the end of this month, I think. Incredible. End of April. So that's really cool. Um, and just like loads of like random little shows that I'm just like really excited to just play. And I, d I love playing live. I think it's just my favorite bit. So it sounds like you're, you're very uh, committed to your uh, vision and your idea of live yeah. music. Yeah, absolutely. But I think you have to be, um, especially if, you know, if you're going to make it your life. It took me a long time to think that I was good enough to do it as a career. I mean, I've had a manager since, I've had the same manager since I was 13. Wow. 13, 14. She's known me that, that, that long. Um, and we've just, she's just been basically looking after me and preparing me for the, the industry, I guess. Uh, we didn't want to go out when I was that young. Because um, we were worried it would be gimmicky and that would be weird. Um, yeah, it did. It took me a long time to to think that I was good enough to do it for a career. But once it's in your head that you are good enough, like there's no stopping. I just don't. I don't want to ever stop ever. I just want it to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's 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 great. I want to be 80 and still making music, wow. <laughs> annoying the world because I'll be terrible and <laughs> rubbish at the age of 80. <laughs> but um, but just say, I yeah, I don't know what I. I have no idea what I'd be doing if I wasn't doing music. Probably doing music. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you. Listening back to that episode, it's clear how much songwriting and music in general mean to Olivia Sebastianelli. Um, it seems to be what she lives for and what she was saying about not being able to open up with people but being able to express her feelings through music. I think it just goes to show how important music can be not only as entertainment but also as a form of expression. For someone like Olivia I think it's uh, very helpful to have music there in order to express those feelings that she doesn't necessarily feel comfortable expressing in other ways. I strongly suggest you go to Olivia Sebastianelli's Facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash Olivia Sebastianelli and there you can get a free download of her wonderful track Rose of Stone. Um, if you're in London, go and check out some of the live dates that she mentioned. Um, she's well worth seeing live. You won't regret it. Dave will be back for the next episode. So until next time, take care. <laughs>